before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to the truth prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. There was a time when I would say, I have a lot of friends. And you realize there's a difference between people we call our friends and relationships. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis. And each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears and let's get into this. Come on. Hey y'all, how's your week going? Hope all is well. I just had a... Fantastic, fantastic conversation with a fashion icon, Mr. B. Michael. B. Michael has dressed the likes of Beyonce, Kate Blanchett, Venus and Serena Williams, Cicely Tyson, Halle Berry, and the late, great Whitney Houston. Our conversation, we talked about a lot of things. It was a great, great convo, very action-packed, very truth-packed, content-packed. One of my more shorter interviews, but a lot of, a lot of great content wanted to give you guys just a quick synopsis of his personal and professional truths. So his personal truth was know who you are. He talked about how he was in a heterosexual relationship with a woman, had two children, was very heavily involved in the church, and at some point came to the realization that I'm actually a gay man. He told a funny story about He was talking to God one day and said to God, listen, you made me 6'1". I can't pretend like I'm (laughs) 5'7". And he went on to sort of talk about just that process of finding his truth in terms of who he really was. And I think it's so critically important, the idea of self-identity, really knowing who one is and then living life from that base. It's extremely, extremely difficult to be successful at anything with any level of deepness if you're not super clear on who you are. His professional truth was always ask for more. And what he meant by that was he talked about how he had gained a certain amount of success in fashion and he was at a point where he was doing all the shows, getting all the accolades, clearly very skilled and talented at what he was doing, getting media coverage. And his partner said to him one day, what is it that you really want? And with that question, it took him down a completely different cascade because he realized that what I really want is to create a legacy brand. And so now he operates his business from the standpoint of creating a legacy because he realized that there was no other designers of his hue, as he said throughout the interview (laughs) of his hue, that had a power brand that was legacy that's what he was trying to create and i think the point he was making in his professional truth which is so important is that you always 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 have to ask questions ask the next question never get complacent stay in the moment and when you do that 
then you'll always be on the cutting edge because if you're staying current in terms of what's going on around you, if you're staying current in terms of what's going on inside of you, then you'll never have to worry about becoming stale. So sit back, relax, and check out my conversation with Mr. B. Michael. Good people, welcome back. Truth Prescription episode number 54. I am your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and today we have a special one for you. Fashion guru, designer, what should I call you? The, the bespoke boss. <laughs> B. <laughs> That's <Michael>. a first. <laughs> B. Michael, designer B. Michael. B. Michael grew up in Durham, Connecticut. And after college at UConn, went to Wall Street, said, nah, I'm good. Moved on from there, began designing for Oscar de la Renta, Louis Farad, among others. And then eventually worked on the hit show Dynasty as a hat designer or uh, a milliner, for those who don't know what that means. That was a new term I learned in my research. And then in 1999, launched his first couture collection. So B. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Well, I should start by saying, to put things in order. Yes, put them in order. My first job was actually that I designed the millinery for Dynasty. That was your first job? My first job in the fashion industry. Yes, so that's... You come you, out of the gate. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, I had no clue, you know, what that meant, is, except that I was doing something that I loved. And, and now I look back, I thought, oh, okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was big. That was big. And okay. then that led me to Louis Ferro and Oscar de la Renta, which led me then to be Michael. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the clarification. It's important. Timing is important. Let's jump right in. To the okay. For my old listeners, they know the principle of the show. For the new listeners, I'll just explain it. In the simplest terms, we as human beings tend to ignore truth. Why do we ignore truth? Because it's uncomfortable, because it doesn't feel good. It's not nice. We don't like it. But what I found is that most successful people, when we accepted the truth, we were able to actually move forward and gain more success in our, in our endeavors, career endeavors, business endeavors, et cetera. So B. Michael, you want to start with a personal or professional? I think we should start with professional. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, tell us a professional truth story. I'll tell you. Always knew that I wanted to be a designer. I say I was born with the blessing. Really, I say I was born with the curse. But, in, <laughs> but the truth is, it's, it's great to know what it is that you are meant to be. So I always knew, and although I took five minutes and worked on Wall Street, clearly that was not my path. And so, as I said earlier, I ended up designing millinery for Dynasty, and I knew that there would be no looking back. I took a leave of absence from, told my boss, I'm taking a leave of absence to do this project, and I never went back to work. <laughs> but the point is, fast forward, Oscar de la Renta sponsored me. I became a member of the Council of the Fashion Designers of America, which was an achievement, CFDA. Launched my first collection in 1999. The woman who was the founder of the CFDA, as well as the founder of the international best dress list by the name of Eleanor Lambert, was my publicist. And so that was huge because Eleanor Lambert launched Oscar de la Renta and Halston and all the American greats. I'm sure I was her last project. By the time I got to Eleanor, she was in her 90s. And I could not even afford to be in the room with her. But thank God she 
liked me <laughs> and and just kind of took me under her wing and and launched me. So all of that to say, you know, I came out of the box, all this great stuff happening, not really understanding it, but just happy that this is what I am supposed to be doing. And I will say that I showed during New York Fashion Week, I never missed a collection for years and years and years and years. And finally, you know, really going fast forward, my partner said to me one evening after one of my very successful Fashion Week events, and we were having dinner and, and he felt that, wow, you should be a little more euphoric. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What's going on? And I thought about it. And so, you know, he, through the conversation, brought to my attention, well, you know, you've established the fact that you're a fashion designer. Women buy and men buy and wear your clothing. You know, you've been critiqued and you participate on the world stage during New York Fashion Week. So what else do you want? I say that because that was a real moment of truth for me because it, it caused me to think about that and moving ego aside and moving the need to be creative aside. I thought, well, what else do I want? And I thought about the fact that there are designers who look like me, meaning my skin hue, who have come and gone, who were brilliant and we don't know who they are. If they've died, their legacy has gone with them. And I said, I think it's important for me to create a legacy as a brand that lives beyond me. You know, Bill Blass or Halston are designers who have gone and you can still buy their product and they're still viable brands. And there are no designers of my hue for which that is true. So, he said to me, well, then that's a different kind of lane for you to travel in. And we would need to reinvent your business model, et cetera, et cetera. And so embracing all that truth for me, I was a disruption for sure. <laughs> and understanding, Thank you, Mark Anthony. <laughs> yes. And understanding <laughs> the difference between being a designer and an artist versus being a brand and a business model. And legacy. And legacy. And with that comes a lot of truth. You know, you, you see the world differently and the world sees you differently. And so that just, you know, just opened up my thought process wide open, eyes wide open differently. Well, I think you, you were much further ahead than most of us because you were able to identify very early what it is that you really wanted to do and sort of stick to it, keep it in your mind. I think a lot of us may have an inkling, but don't really you know, either are not supported by family or are scared ourselves. So it's interesting to me how just that truth, right, got you to a point where you're working in an industry you want to work in, but then you had to go that, that deeper layer. Yes. The deeper layer. What do you really want? You know, that's an important question because an artist, right, at some point you can just kind of get euphoric in just the artistry of it. Yes. Right? Just, oh, wow, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing my thing and I'm, and I'm happy. It's a narcotic of, of sorts. But what do you really want? All right. That's important, folks that are listening. Remember that one. Okay. How about the personal? This is your show. 
So you can go as deep or superficial as you want, or we can skip it all together. It's up to you. No, you know, we have a friend, and I, don't, I won't mention her name, but she says, if you're going to write a book or talk about yourself, be willing to be transparent or not do it. <laughs> I'll just say this. It's so interesting. As a public person, so much of what you do is in the public eye. And so I also understand the need at times to create some separation. Yes, of course. And, and, and that goes along with understanding who I am as a brand versus who I am as an artist. Yes. And, and you know, there are different guidelines for each. <laughs> <laughs> right. Those are things you learn. So I haven't seen any pictures of you in a strip club. No, you, and you won't. <laughs> I take all the cameras. That's why. Right, right, right. <laughs> but but it, it, it's, you know, again, important to understand those different lanes and, and what that means. I am an openly gay man. You know, I am in a long-term relationship. And I am a man who was formerly married to the mother of my two wonderful daughters. And so I think where I feel fortunate is that I can be very clear and very open about all of that. When I married, her name is Janet, we were both young, we grew up together, we were friends, and, and we were both very innocent and we liked each other, and we got married because we just thought that's what you do. And we had a great time, we had fun, wonderful. We have two daughters that we share, and then as we grew up, we realized, wow, we probably should have been friends and not got married. And so we agreed to separate as spouses and continue as friends and to parent our children. And I was proud of us for coming to that. And at that point, I had not dealt with myself in terms of sexuality. And when I now on my own realized who I always was, because I will tell you exactly the personality that I am today, I have always been. So there wasn't a change in who I am as, you know, I would select my wife's clothing, do her makeup, and it all felt very normal. So it, we were just living life and that's all we knew. My daughters, etc. You know, I took them to the hair salon and took them shopping and it just all felt very normal. But I also was their dad and parented as well. So there was that balance. So when I realized and embraced with truth, finally, my sexuality. And I came out to my mom and she said, well, I always knew that. But <laughs> I wow. said, you could have told me and, <laughs> you know, saved me some time. But she said, well, I think that's the kind of thing you have to discover on your own. And in the meantime, I have two lovely granddaughters. And then I called my then ex-wife and said, I want you to hear this from me because I want you to know I never betrayed you. And that this is just, I understand now who I am. And I shared that with my daughters. And we've never skipped a beat in terms of relationship. So it was me embracing that truth and somehow having the courage to be open about it. Because just as I was open otherwise, I, I just felt, you know, I love God and that was a part of it. And I said, okay, God, I'm six feet one. If there's something wrong with being six feet one, I can't pretend I'm five feet. You made me six feet one, so I should embrace that. And so that was really how I 
found my way through that truth. Was it a moment? Was it something? I mean, obviously you had you, you got divorced. Was there a moment where you watching television? Were you walking down the street? Was there something that that you can think of that you were like, hmm, hmm? <laughs> a gay man would feel this way or think this way or you know what I mean? Well. Great question. What I actually, I'm going to answer the question, but I realize I always thought like a gay man. I mean, as I look back, it's just like, oh, okay. So, but I read a book. A friend of mine said, oh, I just read this book called Conversations with God. And you should read the book. So now, as a married man, you know, we went to church every Sunday and Sunday school. It's not widely known, but somewhat known that I was the choir master for years. And so, you know, we were really entrenched in it. So it was important for me to understand the God factor versus coming into who I am. So when this friend said, read this book, Conversations with God, it definitely created the moment that I believe you're asking me about. Yes. Who's the author of that book? Donald Neal, I believe. Shout out. Donald. Yes. All right. Okay, let's jump into some questions. Sort of piggybacking on the idea of, of legacy, you spoke about, I think in one of the interviews, about being timeless, right? You want, you want your pieces to be timeless. Yes. So let's throw fashion out of the window, and let's just talk about business. How does one become timeless in business? Well, I think that's what's important about being timeless in business, is having a business model that's proven, you know, obviously sustainable. But I mean, the, I guess that's kind of the rhetoric about it. I think that the truth, as I'm understanding about it, is I call myself the alchemist of fashion. <laughs> because it's really that you have to be willing to reinvent and reinvent and reinvent until the formula is refined. And that's the truth for the business model as well. So you, you create a business plan and you realize two years later that part of that plan is obsolete and we now need to reinvent or replace or add on. So I think that businesses that sustain themselves, that are timeless, understand the need to continue to evolve. I know that you have a CEO that runs your company. Yes, Mark Anthony. Oh, it's you. Mark Anthony's in, in the studio. Did you find that it was easier for you to be who you are when you sort of, I don't want to say handed the reins over, but there was somebody that was specifically responsible just for the day-to-day -day management and running the business? Because I, I see a lot of creatives that want to do everything. And that's, you know, what I'm trying to, trying to get across. Yes. I think that the formula for success is really understanding business balance and the lane that you should be in management of a business is maybe more important, certainly equally important to what the commodity is. And so I am not a business manager, but I am damn good at what it is that I do. Since we're talking truth, I recognize as a business manager, I've sabotaged myself. I understand it. You know, I had five minutes on Wall Street. I understand numbers, but I'm not a manager. I, I don't want to be. You know, that's a different way to think. It's a different emotion, if you will. 
So I think when Mark Anthony and I had that conversation, I said to him, for me to do that business model, I would need your help. So he had to make a decision to leave the firm that he was with and come on board and help to develop. And we still are our business. Interesting. A whole nother question, which I, I, I'm not going to ask in, in the interest of time, but I would just say I imagine that working with someone that you're in a relationship with on a day-to-day basis can have its intriguing moments. Yes, at best. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Actually, so my second question is actually talks a little bit about relationships. You know, you have great relationships, obviously, with your partner. Cicely Tyson is someone you have a great relationship yes. with. Yes. What is your approach to relationships and sort of curating them and maintaining them, you know, over the years? Because I think that's a skill that a lot of people don't really understand. I tell you, I've learned this because there's a difference between people we call our friends and and relationships. Relationships are, they're the people who hang out with you on the rainy day and when your face is not made up. (laughs) You know, that you can rejoice and celebrate with, but I can also call you on a bad day. And, you know, I just think that relationships require that. Relationships, you know, you have history together and you, you know, there's some texture to it. Where friendships are people you have dinner with or you might have a drink with or you might do business with. And we, especially in the day and age we are now when people walk up to me and say, oh, we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, I don't even know you. <laughs> right. Or right. we've never had even a cup of coffee together. But because of the world we now live in, it's a word that's overstated. Yeah, fast friends. Fast friends, yeah. if you will, yes. <laughs> okay. You talk a lot of, on your Instagram page about this is what artistic excellence looks like. This is your, you know, your tagline, your phrase you used. Why are you artistic excellence? I am artistic excellence, again, because I know that I'm in the lane that I am supposed to be in. I am very clear that this is my gift. And I embrace now that I'm good at it. You know, I used to be shy about that or modest. And I'm humble, but I have to give God glory and say thank you for giving me this gift, which I am good at. And so I don't want the opportunity just because I'm, you know, whatever reasons we think we are entitled to for an opportunity. (laughs) I think you have to be excellent at what it is that you do, and then you should be given the opportunity. So I think that excellence with your craft is foremost important. Does that answer that question? That does answer the question. Something else came to me, but I think I know the answer to it. The sort of piggyback questions you were talking, I was thinking, was this, is there a such thing as the opposite of artistic excellence, like art, artistic mediocrity? Like, can you, of course. But yeah, you sort of you yes. can be sort of kind of good. But I think there are a lot of people that maybe have talent but don't put in that work, you know, that 10,000 hours to right. really get grand, like granular with it. Just really, oh, yes. really, you know, really quick and just flawless, you know, seamless. I think about somebody like uh, Miles Davis, you know, who when you either watch his movie or documentaries and you just watch him play, it's... You know, it's, it's it's amazing. And you can tell clearly that this guy is, his soul is in what he's doing. That's right. He, he, he was, I mean, he was given life to do that. And that's, you know, if you can understand that and you embrace that and are willing to, you know, with everything, go for that. That leads to excellence. I always say your gift will make room for you. 
Your gift will make room for you. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about fearlessness. Clearly, you've had to overcome some roadblocks. If you were mentoring somebody, guiding someone, how would you talk to them about dealing with their fear? Well, let's create a scenario. So let's say particularly that I am talking to a young black artist in my industry. I would say that what you cannot do, having learned, is that we can't blame. This is a $3 trillion industry. And really, from a business point of view, as people of color, we have very little equity in this industry. However, you can't spend your time focused on they will not let me in the room. So I would say to a young artist, be excellent at what it is that you are doing. And at some point, create the right business model. And you will be in the room because at some point, there's no choice. And so that's really what our focus is. We have been traveling around the country, starting to mostly visit historically black colleges, as an example. Morgan State represent. That was my, my alma mater. Okay. So, so you'll have to make sure we get there. But the point is, we just no longer can say, because I'm this, I'm a victim. <laughs> right. Right. We've got to get over the victim mentality and understand I can conquest this and there are ways for me to do this. And especially now, we live in a different kind of world. And so there's a different consciousness. And it's an opportunity, actually, for what, what, you know, there was a time when maybe we could not have penetrated, but now we can. And so I think when I am mentoring, it's to make that point. You're not a victim, but you need to be good at what it is that you are doing and be prepared. From victim to victor. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The title of a book I wrote. Good pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I changed the title. It's a different title now. Anyway. All right. You ready to jump into Yes or BS? Sure. Okay. All right. Number one. The best quality clothes are U.S. made. I would say BS. I think the best quality clothing or is clothing that's well made and that can be, you know, Italian or French or even Asian. I mean, I China, really think yeah, some, 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 can I get, can I get a, a, a nice suit in China if I go over there? I'm sure you can. If I go to the right place. If you go to the right place. So, I mean, you can get bad clothing made in the USA, but I mean, I say that everything I, I'm American made, but yes. the point is it's about it being made well, wherever it is being made. Number two. New York is the fashion capital of the world. I would say yes. Of course, I'm prejudiced, but I would say yes. Number three, B. Michael prefers designing couture. Did Mark Anthony tell you to ask that question? He did not. <laughs> I just met him today. The answer to that question would be yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're presently raising capital for our business. And if those people were in the room, I would say, yes, I love couture, but I am open to ready-to-wear. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, the, the market for ready-to-wear is a little, long, a, little, a little longer. Oh, yes. And, and, I, and I do enjoy the challenge of bringing my couture, yes. you know, ideas to ready-to-wear. So, so I must say that I do welcome that. I saw a piece that you did in 2014. It was a... Bordeaux velvet suit for men. 
Okay. I hope yes. it's still around because I'm looking for it. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, de Blasio should run for president. Well, I don't like to be political, but I won't be throwing a party for it. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, men's clothes are easier to design. I would say no. Mark Anthony shook his head no, too. Yeah, I would say no. Interesting. Yes. Tell us why, because from my perspective, it just seems like they're, I mean, what you're wearing today is is, is extremely fashionable and probably not difficult. But when I look at things on the rack, it's kind of when my, when my mind is going. They tend to be grays and blues and, you know, tans and just basic stuff. When you ask me the question, I'm thinking more from a design. Got it. Right. Got it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. Number six, the Oscars are no longer so white. The Oscars are no longer so white in terms of participation with the actors, I think is what you're saying. However you want to answer. Okay. I mean, I think the red carpet is still Oscars so white. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Meaning the designers that are yes. worn. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. Yes. Yes. And so through my lens, there's still work to be done. I mean, of course, I had the privilege twice. And, you know, there were many articles written, you know, touting me as the first black designer for an Oscar recipient. And I thought, wow, 92 years of Oscars, that's, that's something. I mean, I didn't leave home thinking I would be that person. But of course, I dressed Cicely Tyson, who received her honorary Oscar this year. And I also dressed Ruth Carter, the costume designer, who received an Oscar for Black Panther. And the fact that she's a costume designer and commissioned me was a tremendous compliment. Let me just mention this now, because I forgot in the beginning, for my listeners who don't know, B. Michael has dressed the likes of, as he said, Cicely Tyson, Whitney Houston, Halle Berry, Venus and Serena, and Beyonce. So, oh, <laughs> you'll like this one. Number seven, B. Michael and Michael B. Jordan are the same person on Google. Yes, I'm, so I'm told. So, you know, I, it's funny, at an Oscar party, I went up to Michael B. Jordan and I said, you know, we have something in common. <laughs> yes, so it's crazy. It's crazy. I yes. put in B. Michael and I get, you know, him. Basically, yes. like one or two of you and all of him. It's yes, crazy. I'm, I'm, I think you have to put me in now as B. Michael America cause, because okay. that's what branding does. Sure. Yes, sure. yes. Sure. You get your Google ad. I'm sure you guys are doing some Google AdWords. And all yes. Stuff. All right. Number eight, a clothing designer has a similar approach as a film director. Well, I think that for me, I would say yes, in the sense that we are looking at the visual and telling a story. So I, I would say yes. And the last one, number nine. I wrote this last night. I wonder what you would say to this. Number nine, race is less important than talent. Race is less important than talent. Meaning, do you understand the question? Expound. Me meaning if you had two designers come to you that want to work with you, one's an other, one is black, and they're equally talented. Well, let me answer the question this way. <laughs> I know it's yes or BS, but... You have flexibility. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we were having lunch with a banker one day and, and going through the, my CV. And it's like, you've done this, you know, as I said, you know, Eleanor Lambert launched you, you're CFDA, you worked for Oscar de la Renta. And, 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's quite a CV. And he said to me, what if you were white? So that's how I would answer the question. We can leave it there. That's enough of the truth description. That's a a big dose right there. (laughs) All right. B. Michael, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This was fantastic. One of my shorter interviews, but definitely one of my more potent. Okay. jam-packed. Good. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Tell the people how they can find out more about what you do and uh, where they can buy the clothes. You can find it all by, I think our Instagram is Be Michael America, and all of our social media is under Be Michael America, and everything you need to know, and then some, <laughs> you, yes, you will find, for sure. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, folks. Thank you for listening, and I will sign off, as I always say, the truth will set you free if you let it. <laughs>